Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for January 15th, we look at Lesson 3, The Promised Son. Join us as we discuss the prominence of Jesus found in the book of Hebrews, coupled with the Old Testament. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, welcome to Lesson 3, The Promised Son. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, New International Version this time. It says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things and through him, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God, God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Beautiful encapsulation of who Christ is, uh, our understanding uh, biblically uh, founded here in Hebrews highlights that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And uh, I'm just, you know, want to give a little shout out before we kind of dive into this week's lesson. Um, we had a special bonus episode with the author of the uh, the prim- primary contributor, I guess they call yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Make sure you check it out. <laughs> For the Sabbath School Quarterly, Felix Cortez, good friend and New Testament scholar, very passionate about Hebrews. And if you want to get the inside scoop yes. uh, behind this quarter's lesson, someone who just loves the book of Hebrews, the message of Hebrews. I just got to check that out. Yes. uh, All the way from the authorship of Hebrews, right? Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. He believes it's, well, you have to listen to it, find out. Uh, (laughs) uh, All the way to the the pertinent lessons that are contained in Hebrews for the Adventist church, he believes today. And kind of just diving in, segueing from that, you know, because he connects how Hebrews and they're waiting for Christ to come. uh, And that's kind of what we're all about as Adventists. We're looking for Christ's soon return. And you know, um, in a way, it did happen for them. They did have the eschaton. Uh, for them, it was the fall of Jerusalem. That was kind of the end of their world, so to speak. The, the world just kind of fell apart. Uh, for us, it's going to be the return of Jesus in the clouds of glory. But And frankly, anyone who dies, the next thing you see is going to be the second advent of Christ. Very true. So one way or the other, we're all living in the last days. And that's part of what... Uh, he kind of is getting at here on Sunday's lessons. Numbers 24 uh, kind of unpacks this a little bit. There's this uh, prophecy of uh, Balaam. I think probably most of our listeners are familiar with this. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, as as he goes through, they try to, they want him to curse Israel. And in the end, all they can do is to uh, bless them. And again, you have this reference to latter days. And of course, you can go to Isaiah. Um, there is this context of the True. latter days. That means there's a sense of urgency. There's importance. There's something that's significant that's about to happen. Yes. So we have to be careful when we think of last days. It's not only the last days when Jesus comes, but there's been last days for many different people in different times and places. And people, we've talked about this before in our first week, uh, you know, the sense of urgency um, that in the New Testament, they they were waiting and they're hoping for Christ to come. That was their reality. Uh, Just as people have from the beginning of salvation history waited for the Messiah to come. Every Jewish woman, every Jewish mother was with expectancy, hoping that she might be the one who might give birth to the Messiah, right? Uh, So, which this giving birth um, brings up this whole topic of how does God speak through the Son? 
Yeah, Michael, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, have a highlight, something else that really stuck oh, yeah. out with me that yeah, Felix yeah. aired about in these last days. Mm-hmm. He said, notice it's not in the last days. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not, he said, He said everyone who's living, he's like, eventually we're all going to die. Yeah. He's like, and our last days will be our last days. It's true. He says, so he's like, it's it's been a continuation of yeah. living for Christ no matter what. Mm-hmm. He says, and uh, how he correlated beautifully mm-hmm. of Rome, uh, yeah. you know, the temple being destroyed. Yeah, exactly. Very soon, uh, right, right, right mm-hmm. during this time in these yeah. last days. So. So it's, it's, once again, it's pertaining to us today as well. Love it. And so God has spoken to us by, uh, uh, by his son. I, I absolutely love this. As I was looking at this earlier, I was uh, bringing up Hebrews chapter one, verses one through four. And as it's coming up, uh, I'm going to read it in your hearing, new King James version, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times and pa- time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightest of the glory of the express image of his person mm. and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty yeah. on high. And listen to verse four, having become so much better than the angels, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Uh, we just see here the express majesty mm. of who the son is yeah. and that God chose to speak through Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just heard a wonderful sermon this last Sabbath of Emmanuel, God with us. And indeed, yeah. God was with us mm-hmm. by becoming one of us, mm-hmm. but still being the mouthpiece and spokesperson and being the embodiment of God. Right. Right. Uh, it's one of the mysteries that we try to explain. Uh, Paul talks all the time about the mystery, mm-hmm. uh, but He is God and he is man. Mm -hmm. And that is the express knowledge of our salvation that we see so eloquently expressed there. And so the central idea of these verses is that he is creator. He is savior. Mm -hmm. He is uh, he is God. Mm -hmm. He is man. Right. He is all the encapsulation of all those things. Mm -hmm. And there we find our greatest hope. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. Michael, uh, next is he is the radiance of the glory of God. Tell I, us a little bit more about Jesus. Sure. I, you know, I think this is the favorite part of this week's lesson for me personally, because, you know, Hebrews 1, 2 to 4, uh, it says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by a sense. That's what we've been talking about, you know, up to this been. point in these last days. But then it, the emphasis on the son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. And the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact rep- representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Uh, and, and this is where I want to kind of zero in here okay. uh, on this whole idea, the radiance of God's glory, that the Son is part of the triune God, you know, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three divine persons. But obviously those three divine persons are one in purpose and character. Mm. And so what we see through the person, the divine person of Jesus, is we see a glimpse into the character of God. And that's what's so incredible here uh, looking at this is that we just see a glimpse. He's the the radiance of the glory of God, as it says in, in verse three. 
uh, we see emanating out of God this this incredible character of love, of selfless love, mm. of God's grace, his mercy, all of those things. And it kind of ties us, it reminds me, it's an echo, it so to speak, of Exodus 24, verses 16 and 17, which is this other passage we have. We, we're taken back to Moses on Mount Sinai, mm. and there he is. And, and, and he wants to see the character of God, right? And, and so he goes up and there's this consuming fire on the top of the mountain. Moses has to, has to veil himself, right? I mean, he's, he's just, <laughs> and, and God's goodness and, and all of those things just come out and he begins to see how incredible uh, God is. That beautiful passage describing the character of God. Um, and in and, 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 and Psalm, uh, four verse six talks about this again. Lift up the light of your countenance upon us. In other words, let us see who God is, God's character. This has been the crux of the whole great controversy, this conflict between Christ and Satan. Love it. And here we see revealed who God truly is in the person, uh, the Son, Jesus who is truly God, but here he reveals God's glory, his character, his goodness. And as we, as, as Seventh-day Adventists here at the end yes. of time, have a sacred responsibility to share forth the character of God, who God really is. Wait, are you saying we still <laughs> should be uh, radiating? I, I, I hope so, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Prayerfully. Yeah, Prayerfully by God's grace and humility. Uh, but But that's what separates God's people at the very end of time, we like to talk about how they're the remnant or how they're God's peculiar people, which doesn't mean that they're weird. <laughs> they're not strange. Uh, I've seen some of them. <laughs> well, may, maybe they are too. Well, I'll talk about myself too. All right, all right. <laughs> but, but really the point is that they get it. Yes. They get they're, God's they're, character. They're different in character. Yeah. They're different in how they walk and talk. They're different in how they love. They reflect God's character. Yes. Through their lives, they live it out because and because they get that and all of Satan's masquerading, trying to cover up and lying about God uh, and misconstruing God's character will be unmasked because people see, oh my goodness, there's something here. And People will, and this is where the end times really matter, they will be confronted with two pictures of God. Yeah. And they have to choose. Well, and it's already happening. Yeah. I know several, Michael, you know, in the classroom, we have several young people that are thinking about leaving the church because True. they've seen a different picture of God. Yeah. And they haven't actually met God themselves, but mm -hmm. they've seen him in us. And wow. they don't like what they see sometimes. Mercy. And other times they love what they see yeah. based off of different individuals that showed them the actual love of Christ wow. or who said, we love you like Christ, yeah. but they treat them like something else. Right. Mm. And so prayerfully, we're a part of the solution mm -hmm. and not the issue. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we're so letting our light shine so forth before men mm -hmm. that they may glorify our father in heaven yeah. because they see his character radiating from us. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need that that personal caring touch because it all boils down to relationships. It our does. relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Yeah. And I just got to, I was chatting with Heidi, you know, it's, it's we're recording this right before Christmas. So we're, Christmas is coming up, right? So all of this is taking place and we just got our grades turned in. And, and you know, I, I've had some students that have been struggling, just like what yeah. you've been talking about. Uh, and... And they just, you know, I had some that called me yesterday and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm going through this crisis. Going through a ringer. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, 
That's what it's all about. Teaching is all about the semester. Yes, it's about academic learning and knowledge. Of course. But it's more than that. It's about tr being transformational and having that connection, um, relational connection, right? And then most of all, I hope by God's grace, and I know I do it imperfectly, but but somehow yes. if we can be focused on those relationships, yeah. um, that's what really matters. Our students are hungering for that, Buster, you know? Yeah, you I know, know, you know it, that it's, it's funny because that you said yeah. that because I spent about thirty minutes on the phone with a, a yeah. recent graduate, yeah, and she's been married for some time now, mm -hmm. but she she said I feel empty inside. You know, wow. she's I've been working. She's like, but uh -huh. I haven't been to church. She says I don't I don't know if I want to. Ooh. And I had to go through and explain to her the fact that Christ dying on the cross is not mm -hmm. just to reconcile you back to God, mm -hmm. but it's also reconcile you back to the church, to his body, because wow. yeah. you have a place in there. And that's the emptiness you're feeling. She's like, you're right. I need community. Mm -hmm. And so, Michael, you're right, that that relationship. And hopefully we're use, using that relationship to, to, to draw people back towards God. To yeah. draw them back towards the body, to contribute once again, yeah. to actually foster more relationships, to be disciples, yeah. which is exactly what we're talking about, discipleship there. Well, let's uh, circle back to uh, how God made the universe. Buster. Yes, through whom he made the universe. And I, I love all these verses, uh, especially Isaiah 44, uh, verse 24 there. It says, talking about, yes. Christ uh, was involved in creation, but how so? Mm -hmm. uh, especially when Isaiah 44, 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Redeemer, uh, and who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord uh, who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. Uh, Nehemiah 9, 6, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heaven, you have made heaven and the heaven heavens, heaven, mm -hmm. heaven of heavens, yeah. and all their hosts, and the earth and everything on it. Uh, so we see here that God alone created, but how then did, did Christ, uh, what party uh, take in creation. Yeah. And I, I love seeing that there in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. We see the spirit hovering above the water. So we see that Christ is there. We see that God is there. Let us create man in our image. We see the plurality of God there. Mm -hmm. But also some people say that, well, Jesus was simply an instrument. No, he is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. We see here, he is not only the sustainer, he is also the one through things were created, right? Mm -hmm. And so we mm -hmm. don't know exactly how it was. Yeah. We don't know exactly what it looked like. But we do know that the three co-eternal persons were there together mm -hmm. and they took part in this. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're hitting ourselves, uh, we're, we're hitting our heads against the door and against rocks, mm. trying to figure out who had more power in doing such. Yeah. When the Godhead really could care less, right? Right. Uh, we know that Christ was a part of it. We know the Father was there. We know the Spirit was there. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm going to ask us to get out of that argument <laughs> mm -hmm. when it's not an argument amongst, amongst the God, Godhead, mm -hmm. but also recognize the Father, Son, and Spirit as creators, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even even much more so here, yeah. through whom he made the universe. And so whether it's, uh, uh, we, we, we all talk about it, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right. And so someone will ask, well, who died? Uh, who, who reconciled us? Mm. Was it the father? Was it the son? Mm. Father, son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They all took part in this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a part of the divine plan. So was creation. So is creation. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And so please understand this, this aspect, this concept that Christ not only had a part in it, but it was a planned part. Mm-hmm. And for us to either place them above the Father or beneath the Father, once again, get out of get out of that type of theology 
And it Gorod- does a disservice to the character of God, right? It does. Yeah. And, and, if there's and, some kind of hierarchy or whatever. Yes. Instead, be gracious. Be yeah. grat- gracious for the fact that you and I, right now, just take a deep breath. You're, the, in fact, you're able to do that yeah. uh, without the Father, without the Son, without the Holy Spirit, we would not be able to be sustained. We would not be able to be here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So giving God the glory, giving the Son the glory, giving the Spirit the glory that they deserve, and recognizing that it's not our duty to try to place different parts at, uh, in the Godhead where they where we think they should belong. Yeah. Right? And so, Michael, tell us today about Today I Have Begotten You. You know, it's interesting. We're kind of talking a little bit about the Trinity, how the Trinity works, right? So, right. And, and if there was just one divine person or personage, you know, how could you have selfless love? You're all focused in receiving. But if there is two, then it's kind of this mutual thing. But if there's three, then all three are equally having to selflessly give to one another. And you have truly, in the model of a Trinity, a truly egalitarian, selfless, where all three are one in purpose, but the neither, no one is higher than the other. They all have distinct roles to play as part of this plan of salvation, as part of creation. And in getting that a little bit, I think is important because there's this phrase here, today I have begotten you. Mm. And I think a lot of people struggle with that in verse five, and this is like a proof text, right? So therefore the father was from eternity past and those, especially kind of like an Aryan or semi-Aryan, um, I'm pulling out some church history here, I know. Please, but, we love but it. But this idea that, that the, fa- the, the father existed from all eternity and then the son at some point was created afterwards, probably before the rest of creation. So he's kind of the firstborn of all creation, these kinds of things. And you kind of can proof text those together right. uh, to kind of create sort of some kind of divine hierarchy. Hmm. Uh, and you can you can always proof text the Bible. <laughs> no, no, oh, <laughs> you know, I've seen it done. You make the Bible say almost what you want it to say. But the, the question is, are you being faithful to scripture? Biblical gymnastics. <laughs> right. Yeah. We want to avoid avoid that. And so uh, this idea of begotten makes a lot of sense. If you study the ancient Near East and Mm. the role of kings and the reign of kings, right? And the legitimacy of kings. And so uh, to install or to adopt someone as king is not to weaken their uh, authority or their, in the case of Jesus, their divine personage is to enhance set it. apart and then exactly, I like that buster to enhance it. And so if you get that and you get the, the historical context of the ancient Near East, suddenly you start to say, well, God's not trying to, to create some divine hierarchy here. He's actually, he is clarifying the role of Jesus in the plan of redemption. And that's really what's happening uh, through his adoption uh, and and setting Jesus apart uh, for this specific role that he would have as he would be the only of the three divine persons that would take on human form. Right. Right. And so as part of that, uh, he would play this uh, very significant role through the incarnation and then also through uh, Jesus's death on Calvary and ultimately the resurrection. So um, this is just so beautiful when you see it in its context for what it is and you understand what the word adopt here really means mm-hmm. uh, that that it just all becomes, it, it just sheds even more light, clarifying how beautiful the plan of salvation is. Amen. Love that, Michael. 
So, you know, we've covered a lot of territory here. You know, it's uh, we started out with end times, you know. We've talked about the message of Hebrews. But I love how this lesson, Lesson 3, dives in the promised son, who Jesus is, uh, in the connection to the great plan of redemption. Amen. And this is where it's at. We need to keep Jesus at the center of not only the book of Hebrews, but at the center of our lives. I know that we, um, you know, it can be a struggle. Uh, but it can be. It, yeah, and in and, and our, our brokenness, uh, but we need to keep setting our, our eyes on Jesus. And if we do that, um, it, you know, I know it's it's the new year and we're recording right before Christmas, but, you know, this is what Christmas is all about. It is. Is Jesus the center of our lives, the center of the plan of redemption. Amen. Any final thoughts, Buster? No, yeah, Michael is just going to say that, which is it centers on Christ, right? The foundation is there, uh, the author and finisher of mm-hmm. our faith. And so allow him to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. Stop stop writing your own story. Yeah. And allow Christ to write your story. Uh, and hopefully we're, we're radiating uh, as, we're, as we're beaming with his joy and also with his character. I love it. By God's grace. So with that, I think we put a wrap for uh, another week. So this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing Signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.